Welcome back to the Electrify podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo, North America's largest EV festival coming to a major city near you. Welcome back to the Electrify Expo podcast, brought to you by the creators of the Electrify Expo. Welcome back. It's the Electrify Expo podcast. I'm Matt Teske again here with Joe Boris. And I got to say, we always have some fun stuff to talk about. We're going to leave the best for last. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in our mind. But I in think, our mind, you know, yes. There's talk about EVs becoming a mandatory thing. There's some modified EVs. There's some more new EVs. There is some pedal while you get their EVs that charged up EVs. Where do you want to start? I think there's a lot of good stuff, but I think the thing that is most significant in the last couple of days has been Tesla's Q3 deliveries. Now, there were some, we all knew that they were going to be pretty good. The uh, market expected about 130, 135,000. They blew way past that. They actually delivered 139,300 new electric cars in Q3. And that's, I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. I remember 10 years ago when I first started doing environmental writing and kind of waking up to this idea that there might be something more than internal combustion, seeing these cars come out and it was like, maybe they'll sell four or 5,000 like <laughs> S class numbers, like Mercedes numbers. They're not going to be a mainstream brand the way that they talk like they're going to transform the industry. Did any other car that's not an SUV, that's not a truck, did any other car sell 139,000 units last week? Or last uh, quarter. I was say last week. Yeah, but last quarter. Even. I mean, yeah, it, well, the thing is, it's amazing is it's literally the blueprint that, that Musk put out and said, here's our mission. I'm going to give you the, the play-by-play of what our plan is. And everybody has said, yeah, sure. Okay. And what's interesting is they actually produced over 140,000 vehicles. Like It was like 145. They just couldn't get them delivered fast enough. Right, right. Well, I mean, it comes back to Musk's best quote ever of, uh, I want to build these things so fast that wind resistance in the factories becomes a problem. <laughs> well, and, and so it's, if what this proves out, again, I've seen the, the charts in the last you know, few weeks or so on, uh, or last week or so on Twitter, where it's, you know, every Q3 for the last, you know, seven years of what they've done. And it's just this ramp up of just boom, 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 higher, higher, higher. And so I think, I mean, they're, clo- they're going to get close to that half million mark this year. I mean, I think they're really going to be close if, and they may surpass it. And yet again, that's one of those milestones that, you know, they've had saying, we're going to hit this. I don't understand why people keep saying they're not going to do this. I, I really don't. I think there's, there's part of it is like a disbelief. Like you look at something like Tesla, you look at the stock valuation, you look at like the guy and he just doesn't ooze credibility. I mean, I hate to say that of someone who has proven time and time again since his days at paypal that he is a very serious person that you should take him seriously but then the guy comes out and he's got like he's got more hair than he did when he was 25 and he's got the tan and he's got like you know the white teeth and he's like mr tony stark guy and like i think if he just didn't act like so affected like if he just walked on stage like little nerdy bill gates i think everybody would be like oh my god this guy's gonna do half a million next year well, I, he's, he's definitely very good at, I mean, he jokes about the fact he's like, I'm not very good at being punctual, you know, and, and people laugh because he's like, oh, we're going to have the Model X out by whatever day, you know, and, yeah. and Hubris is not his friend. I mean, he's acknowledged some things they got wrong, like the Falcon wing doors on the X. He's like, yeah, that was not the smartest idea, you know, but I think the, the gap between what he says they're going to do on most things and what they actually accomplish is very small. There's still a lot of claims like the robo-taxi element of Model 3 and things like that were, were frankly full self-driving that 
I don't understand why we're still talking about it the way that we do. That stuff is still a little bit too far out there and he's kind of keeps pushing the goalpost. But when it comes down to brass tacks of, are they moving the needle on EVs? You can't, you can't say no. I mean, they are. No, they are unquestionably moving the needle on EVs. And it's so much so, I think that, you know, we talked last week about California kind of, um, you know, California mandated the sale of electric vehicle, electric passenger vehicles within its borders by 2035, which is to say that if you're trying to sell an internal combustion vehicle, it had to be special circumstances, municipalities. You and I cannot go buy a gas-powered car in California and say 2036 is the plan. Now, there's a lot of hemming and hawing as to whether or not that should be a thing or whether or not it's going to happen, whether it's like the hydrogen highway. But I think at the end of the day, the only reason we're having that conversation is because companies like Tesla, companies like Lucid are delivering thousands of products and they're delivering on their promises. And that's kind of what makes that what 10 years ago, even five years ago, might have seemed like a pie in the sky thing. It seems really likely to 15 years from now. Tesla is going to be capable of delivering two or three million vehicles a year quite easily. Well, again, with the factories they're building out, I mean, you start counting them on your hands and pretty soon you're going to get past one hand. You know, it's, it's, they, they start out in Nevada. They, they also had Fremont and then they got Shanghai. Now they're building out Berlin. Now they're building out Texas. They're looking mm -hmm. at India for next year. So they are not hiding what they're planning to do. I think that what we're seeing is, they are sticking to their guns. I think even battery day was very, was very telling is they also noticed that even the projections they thought they could induce are not happening fast enough. So part of what they even announced at battery day was to say, we got to rethink how we do this even from a, a production perspective to really bring those costs down to get more people to say, yes, they're being extremely proactive. And for the most part, every other automaker that's ever existed is being reactive. And, you know, Lucid and Rivian and some of these other bigger names that are, you know, being talked about, they haven't produced and delivered the same way Tesla has, but they are, they, they're operating in the same vein. And I think that's what is at least, you know, you can, you can hang your hat on that to say it's going to get better. Yeah, and I, I think even they are reactive, right? Because they didn't put themselves out there and kind of put their neck out there back in 2005, the way Elon did. So they're kind of reacting to what Tesla did. Yeah. Um, but again, you wouldn't be able to have those conversations about, you know, taking serious climate action and removing internal combustion cars from the picture without companies like Tesla. Uh, and I kind of want to use that kind of as a clunky segue to some other electric car makers that are out there and some of the things they're doing to bring attention to their vehicles. Nissan put out what they call the Nissan Relief Emergency Response Concept. And this was obviously responding or reacting, to use the previous term, to the mm -hmm. fires in Oregon and Washington. So anyway. uh, you were saying that the Nissan, I will say the Nissan Relief branding, I'm a branding guy at heart and I dig that. I like, I like what they did there. So but I it's do also like a that. badass car. Yeah, I mean, it does have the all-wheel drive. It, it is a lifted chassis. It has the off-road tire so it can theoretically get to where it needs to go. And once it gets there, it has that vehicle car-to-grid technology so it can power a hospital it can power a emergency room scenario probably not for very long but it can certainly do it for yeah. a while it's a good size battery but it's not you know powering the whole hospital but it's 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 setting the stage i think for a good story that everybody needs to be thinking about which is well okay we, we are talking about electric vehicles a lot for climate change we know that zero emissions is important where else can we apply some of these features of electric cars into things that we're also still going to have to contend with things like you know natural disasters 
I think, and again, and it's hard to say how long they were thinking of even showcasing the relief, right? I mean, I don't think that they were pre-planning this ahead of the fires. Maybe they were, I don't know. I don't get that sense. I think, uh, you know, we were talking about Tesla and their 139,000 Q3 deliveries. I don't think Nissan sold 139,000 Leafs. Hold on, let me check my notes. <laughs> no. no. no <laughs> so I think they had to do something. They had a couple of extra Leafs lying around. And I think you'll see a bunch of these. This, to me, seems like something that would have come out at SEMA. But, of course, yeah. we're not having SEMA this year. So they need to find their own kind of moment to release the car. You'll probably see one or two more of these. Maybe around the 24 hours uh, of Daytona, you'll see another one come out. Maybe if they make some kind of different announcement in Formula One, um, you know, because that Nissan still is part of the Renault Lisa oh, yeah. Nissan Alliance. And the relief is actually in those kind of Renault Formula One kind of colors. So I think that there might mm-hmm. be something there as well. Um, yeah, you'll see some more concepts come out from other manufacturers I think as this, time rolls. I think the, this, the SEMA comment, actually, I'm wondering, like, actually, the timing makes sense. You know, like, oh, we don't have to wait until the end of October to show this thing. Let's just show it now. I mean, maybe that was part of it. I, either way, I thought just really watching how they presented how they tweaked it just slightly. In fact, your point, even the fact that it has all-wheel drive, it's like, how hard was it for them to make that thing all-wheel drive? How much more attractive would a Nissan Leaf Plus be right now if it was all-wheel drive? Honestly. I mean, yeah, it'd be a big, uh, it'd be a big selling point. I mean, recently I had to kind of make the decision of, am I going to put a little bit more money into my own personal ICE vehicle or am I going to just pull the trigger and buy a, a, a plug-in? And Polestar 2 is not out yet where I am. Can't get it. Even if I could get it, probably not the right time with everything else that's going on. Yeah. The Leaf is an option, but honestly, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, probably doesn't do a whole lot for the 139,000 people that bought the more expensive Teslas either. So I yeah. think that's a problem. But something like this, I mean, if they offered this with kind of a kind of a trendy safari type package, kind of off-roady, you know, play off the fact that it does have some uh, something of a rally look. I, that would have changed my mind. I would have been into something oh, like this. It looks like a, it looks like a cross track competitor. That's what it looks like. And yes. so, and that's exactly the kind of thing, again, here in Oregon, my point being in Oregon, no, this thing would be a badass cross track competitor. And I think that, you know, it just, it just speaks to where these brands could have taken these platforms and they didn't. And it's like, why are we seeing this now? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, again, the leaf has a lot of great features to it. Pro pilot, it's, it's got the Leaf Plus has great range. It's, it's like 226, 225 in that range. That's all workable. But if you can add on that all wheel drive feature, that's a big selling point for a lot of folks. So, yeah, I think a little bit higher chassis, a little bit more off road capability, a little bit more snow capability. Uh, you'd see a lot more people be into this thing, and it, which is sad because it, it is a hot little car. But you know, unfortunately, it's a car, and that's not what most Americans want to drive. Um, but yeah, I mean, it should give you a, a good look at how capable, you know, EVs can be. I mean, you would think of sending an electric vehicle into a, a situation like this. It does have kind of that same vibe as, uh, you know, some of the towns that you see in that, um, what's that Ewan McGregor show, Long Way Up, where they have yeah. the, the Harley Live Wires and the Rivian. Now, those were just concepts, right? Like, they don't have production model. They don't have production model Harleys. I know that. They have pre-production Live Wires. Well, yeah, well, and for the R1T and, and everything else was involved, that's my understanding. It, now, it, well, I, we're, we're getting into a little bit of a rabbit hole, but at the same time, it's pointing to, the, to where these other brands can be taking cues from, right? 
And, you know, I think Nissan doing this is maybe to breathe some life back into their kind of long standing one electric car. Um, but time's going to tell what's going to happen with the poor leaf here in the next like six to 12 months. Yeah. I just want to add one more thing. You know, you made the comment that, you know, that they could have taken the platform in this way and they didn't. I'd just like to add the word yet to the end of that. They didn't take it there yet. And to show something like this and show really how easy something like that could be. I mean, I could very easily see this as like a lowered Honda Civic sport compact kind of deal. Something sure. raised up a little more rally off-roady. They could do something with it and kind of go after a more niche market, which I mean, laugh all you want. Big wings and loud mufflers sold a lot of Civics to mom and pop because the enthusiast kid wanted them to buy it. I mean, that's yep. kind of what happens. Um, I think they similarly, made a, they, made a, they made a Nismo Leaf. <laughs> they made a Nismo Leaf, but I don't think you can get it here in the States. No, it was, it was only in Japan. But, you know, I'm just saying they did it. Yeah, they sold all six of them. They, they could have sold eight. Yeah, but again, cradle to grave buyers. That's what, that's what brands want, right? It's cradle it's like, to grave buyers. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, so we're talking about cradle to grave. So obviously the idea with the grave being that, you know, you buy the biggest, most expensive, nicest one at the end. Uh, the biggest, nicest, most expensive Volvo Polestar looks like it's not going to be the XC90 anymore. It looks like it's going to be this precept thing. Yeah. Um, this is a concept that they showed a couple of months ago. And it's just like long and low and sporty and slinky. And it has, you know, a green interior with vegan seat materials. Everything's recycled plastic. And it's got all this horsepower. And it really looks like a competitor to the lucid air. And I had that yeah. vibe that this is just a concept. It's not going anywhere. And now they're saying they're going to build it. Yeah. And we'll see again. This is the catch, right? Is, is it going to be one of those things where they really meant it as a concept and now they're saying we're going to produce this thing, but it actually is going to have some tweaks to get it to like street legal. Like, like it's not going to have suicide doors, you know? I mean, so things like that. I mean, it, it's going to be inspired by, right. Uh, I don't know. I had a conversation with a guy at Volvo and obviously Volvo and Polestar are different companies. So whether what he knows or doesn't know is uh, kind of debatable. His comment to me was that they're not calling it a precept concept car. They're calling it a promise car, that this is a car that they are promising to build. So if that's something that within their corporate structure, they've coined a new term, like this yeah. is our, which I kind of dig it. Like, look, this is our, I mean, imagine if the, the Chevy Corvette Stingray uh, concept from the 90s or, or early 2000s, that purple thing, mm. if that sleek, sexy thing, they said, look, this is a promise car. If enough people put their name down to it, we will build it exactly like this. How that would have changed the way people looked at these concept cars? Oh, 100%. I think it would have changed the approach. People thought like, oh, you're going to actually build this thing. I, I guess I immediately jumped to two things. One is I hear promise car. And I immediately think of like a promise ring from like oh, high yeah. school with your girlfriend. But and it's that, right? You're not, it's exactly that. You're not going to buy the lucid air. You're going to put on the ring and you're going to wait for this. Oh, That's exactly what it is. I, I see a commercial with like, you know, like De Beers or something happening here. Uh, but the other thing is <laughs> like Tesla didn't have to come up with a coin phrase. They just put cars out on the, on the stage and say, this is the thing we're making. And then they make it. And it's really basically what they showed you. And the authenticity of that, I think has really helped their brand cachet. If, if Pulsar literally makes the precept as it is, as the promise car and they don't change much. Again, I can't say how they're going to go to market with those doors. But if every other element, like the, the style of it is the same, that's not bad. 
That's cool. Why don't you like the suicide doors? I mean, you can have, you're telling me that Tesla can build a hundred thousand goofy gullwing doors and they can't build a suicide door. That's crazy. I, I'm saying Polestar is smart enough to go. We'll just make these regular doors. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to oh, Elon man. themselves into that moment of like, some guy was like, a, some designer was watching like too many episodes of Entourage. It was like, look what I did to the doors. And the, <laughs> like the brand manager's like, awesome, bro. Those no, are Because that's what people really want. People who are minivan buyers looking to stuff as many bodies in this thing as possible. What they really want is gullwing doors to navigate in their, you know, coach built, uh, coach house garages. Oh, but man. aside from that, this, I mean, this does have the stuff. I mean, the seats are, are a little futuristic, but they, they have the cues of what you might see in, in a, in a, you know, a higher end Volvo, for example, higher end, I guess like an, like an, you know, an R design Volvo. Sure. But, but this is looking at, I mean, this is supposed to be like a $200,000 plus ultra luxury flagship, kind of thing they're looking yeah. at maybe making a couple hundred of these and once you bring that scale down you can start looking at it as a marketing exercise hey it costs yep. what it costs well that'll be i mean i think your comparison to the air was was spot on is that this the marketplace of this is going to be just that so then you start to ask yourself what are the niceties that go along with the air that they've been claiming a big part of it has been you know i mean quality control what the interior is going to feel like material wise um and if it's that, you know, that luxury sled, well, anybody who's, you know, driven a Volvo or a Pulsar, most people say, yeah, they make pretty good interiors. Like this, the style they have is great. If they elevate that as a found from a foundational point to say, and we're going to build upon that from how mm -hmm. really amazing this is going to be. Yeah. It'll be right in line with Lucid um, price point volume. Well, then that's when you have to ask, if, is it a marketing exercise? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's okay if it's a marketing exercise. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing that I'll say is, we're talking now at that level of money, at that level of spending, you have different competing ideas of luxury where yeah. you might argue that an AMG buyer thinks luxury is the ability to put your foot down and pass anything you want. You might say, I mean, yeah, probably not a lucid, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, everything except you'll pass everything except a gas station. Everything except exactly. <laughs> but then, you know, you have this other idea of luxury, which is like, this open space, this kind of Mediterranean or, uh, you know, Scandinavian super simplistic style where you just have like the, the you and the water and the horizon. And I think that that's valid, that there are more than one ways to skin that luxury cat, just like Lotus and, you know, a Lotus Elise and a Dodge Demon Hellcat, they skin that performance car cat yeah. in very different ways. But if you put them both on a track, you know, it's always amazing to me, you know, it's the miracle of, of uh, the miracle of parody, right? Like you have these cars that are wildly different car and driver or motor trend takes them to a track and they're all within like two or three seconds of each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and it, it, it speaks to that's actually, that's a good point though, from a performance perspective where things got to with combustion is something like, yeah, like you said, those two different comparisons, like the Lotus and the Hellcat, right. Or something along those lines. And I think it's interesting is in the EV realm, we're still going to have very, wide swings of performance. I think it's still going to be the case. I mean, the preset is, is awesome. What's it going to do genuinely for performance, whether it's related to um, true, like, you know, zero to 60 times, uh, how it handles uh, the air, for example, they are billing that as a luxury sedan, high, high, high end luxury sedan, but then they're taking it to Laguna Seca trying to beat the snot out of it to prove it can compete with, you know, Tesla's Model S Plaid. And so they're all trying to weave into their stories where their products fit. And there's going to be a lot of variance there still.
and um, aside from maybe the style and the brand. So, yeah, I think that, you know, kind of Tesla putting it out there is just, we're our own thing and we don't care about anybody else. Like, I feel like that's their story. Yeah. And I, I really do feel like Lucid, as much as people compare it to Tesla, Lucid is comparing itself and its buyers are being forced to compare it to the Bentleys, to the AMGs, oh, yeah. to the BMW Alpine, Alpines. And I see that very clearly in them going to Laguna. They're going to take it to the Nürburgring. They're going to try some things like that once they have it dialed in. And, uh, you know, Lucid strikes me as guys that aren't afraid of Pikes Peak either. So I think they're going to oh, do yeah. that as well. Um, now, there is something else that came up this week that uh, I, we should talk about, but it's a, a little bit on the other extreme, right? Instead of $200,000, we are talking about, like, not quite 2000 right? That was a very, very weird segue. Oh, this is a very weird segue <laughs> also. Uh, the <laughs> segue – I like that, but can we can – we, uh, Chris, can we get that actually? Oh, yeah. Do we, do we have a – is that a hi-hat? Is it a cymbal crash? If all we, if we actually had a sound machine, it would be nothing but fart noises. That's true. Why you don't have a soundboard? <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears? Squeakers. <laughs> I hear I hear you just want to talk about your Segway. It's just super. Dude, this thing is super. So it is rad. All, all kidding aside. All kidding aside. This is Segway, but it's not a Segway that you know. It's not that weird thing where like the mall cop stands on it and goes around and people fall on it while they're trying to watch tourist traps, right? This is like from them. It's that same electric motor, but it's an actual moped and it's like a scooter Vespa E style bike with it has a footboard where you can sit on it and rest your feet. But it also has pedals, and these pedals can crank and charge the battery. It's just like yeah. the coolest thing. I I mean, the, it's got some really cool minimalism to it as well. Like my, my favorite thing on it is the gauge, where it shows you how full the battery is and what speed you're going. It looks like it. It looks like an Apple Watch that's like the size of a small plate. <laughs> but it's yeah, like super it, cool. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is so tiny. I mean, obviously, we're looking at pictures of it, but the whole thing is so small. It's supposed to be quite a bit smaller than, uh, like, it's like a small frame, like a Honda Spree or like an old small frame Vespa Chow. I mean, it's just a small bike. That might just be an Apple Watch, dude. This thing is tiny. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking at this photo thinking, those are handlebars. Oh, wait a minute. How big is this thing? That's well, a 12 it, inch bicycle tire on this thing. Is it only 12? Wow, that's true. Because it's, yeah, well, again, if you want to get a sense for like, there's one photo with, with a guy sitting on it. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's legit moped Vespa-esque in that, in the sizing range, even smaller, frankly. Yeah, it's a tiny bike. It's got a couple of cool, neat features. It's got this removable battery thing that you can just kind of like yoink out from underneath the seat and charge it wherever you are. Um, I think it has something like 50 miles of range, but that seems crazy. It- well, it can only go up to about 20 miles an hour. So, I mean, you're not, yeah, I mean, again, and, and the range that you're seeing it quoted as, well, when you get batteries that small in your vehicle that light, it's probably fairly accurate, uh, but weather and things like that might make a difference. But I figure at 20 miles an hour, you're not going to use a, a ton of that battery. I mean, really? No. And I will say this too, like, I don't think you'd want this thing to go more than 20 miles an hour. Um, this is, I have a good story for this and I think this should be part of the show. So I'm going to include this. I used to ride with a bunch of dudes on mopeds like this in the, in Florida in the keys. And at one point I was going down uh, a one a, and it was like a 35 zone or whatever. And I was just, and I was a two stroke. I had a 70 CC kit on it. I was just ripping along and I get pulled over 
The guy waves me over. It's in this construction thing. I'm like, all right, I pull over. The guy comes up to me. He's mad. He's like, do you know how fast you're going? I said, no, officer. He's like, what do you mean? And I had the whole line like prepared because like I like I had done the research. And like, this vehicle was not equipped with a from was not originally equipped with a speed indicating device that could indicate my accurate speed above 25 miles an hour. Therefore, I had no idea how fast I was going, officer. Like word for word, <laughs> what I need to say to get out of this ticket, right? And he goes, you were going 51. And I do, my eyes lit up. Like That's I, frightening. <laughs> my joy, like it was probably one of my greatest moments. It was like, it's a boy and you were going 51 miles an hour. And I'm not sure which one's first. I was so excited, dude. I was like, that's awesome. Give me that ticket. And he starts writing it and he looks at me and he's like, what do you mean give me the ticket? And I was like, yeah, dude, my friends rip on me constantly for writing this thing. They'll never <laughs> believe it goes 51 miles an hour. I want that ticket. He like crunched it up and gave me like the cop finger to the chest. And he goes, you have entirely the wrong attitude. And he wouldn't give it to me. Oh, Oh, yeah, so wait, bastards. Did, did you still get a ticket on record for it though or did he just walk after basically reprimanding you for being funny yeah uh in his defense <laughs> he, he did not see that response coming <laughs> he was, didn't see that 51 miles an hour coming out of that moped either yeah he probably thought his, his radar gun was broken it's like i just saw what, what i assume was, was something with like a glitch in the matrix i'm gonna go pull it over and see what's going on I actually bought a 110 kit for that and I took it to the moped hospitals. Dude, Sammy was working there and he looks at the box and the whole thing and everything in there. And he pushed the box back to me and said, if God wanted that thing to go a hundred miles an hour, he would have given it bigger wheels. <laughs> well, so seriously, at what point does it turn into, yeah, physics takes over and the, and the wheels just and the tires just go done. And they well, just I fall think apart. <laughs> I think we're going to find out when, when I get my hands on one of these segues, because this thing is going to go, this thing is going to rip. I mean, it looks like a pretty easy platform to hack. There's a ton of, you know, Segway, Ninebot, carding stuff out there that I think is going to apply. That 20 miles an hour is a restricted speed, and they do that. I was about to say hacking it. Yeah, that's the hard part is now it's into software and things like that, but you can do it. Uh, we can do it. That's not going to be a problem. I think this thing will go 40. Oh, sure. <laughs> you got that other thing going 50. This thing will go 40 with no problem. <laughs> it's, I mean, I wouldn't say no problem. I think it's going to be a problem. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> getting it to do that is no problem. While you're doing it, it's still a problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I think the over-under is going to be uh, not necessarily if I will die on it, but rather when. Um, but it is Whoa. a cool thing, man. It's got the bright LED lights. It's got everything that is, is fairly visual. It's got like, you know, you're hitting the brakes and it turns red and there's a, like a very neat color indicator. The thing that gets <laughs> I love me how you just said that like it was novel. You hit the brakes and the lighting turns red. No, no, no. So there's a light on the handlebar yeah, yeah. to show you like, are you riding clean? Are you maximizing your range? And you kind of, it kind of makes it. Uh, gamification of hypermiling, right? So to get that extra range, you want it to be green and stuff like that. And then when you are riding a little more aggressively, it turns yellow. And then when you're being a bad boy, it turns red and then tells you naughty things. Um, Whoa, you know, that's good. What, what, what? Where, where did that, where did that description just take us? That was weird. Well, I mean, you have to pay extra for it to tell you really naughty things. But for the most part, it'll just tell you you're not getting optimum mileage. And then that version is about two, actually less than two grand. Which 
interestingly includes shipping. It's, that's always one of the great cons of the scooter game, right? Yeah. Like you get a 1999 Honda Ruckus and it's got like a $400 destination charge and another <laughs> 150% setup. You're like, what the hell happened? This thing's like another $1,000 now. Yeah, it's like uh, my budget was for the the uh, the two wheeled vehicle, and now I'm spending twice as much to get it here. Can I just ride oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah. And that was a conversation. You know, when I worked at the Honda dealer, that was a conversation we had every day. Someone would call and say, "Hey, that Rucker, you know, this Metropolitan's 1999. Cool, I'll be right over." It's like before you come over, oh, that's going to be yeah. about thirty two, thirty three hundred out the door with Cook County taxes and plates and everything. Are Dude. you mentally prepared for that? Wow. And most of the time people were not. And it and that bike, you know, that's a 50cc bike. It gets 100 miles per gallon. It goes about yeah. 30, 35 miles an hour. That's going to be what this is competing against, I yeah. think. And especially, you know, in areas like Chicago and, and urban areas where, honestly, a 40 mile an hour, 50 mile an hour scooter, you're never going that fast. In a yeah. lot of this traffic, you know, what's what? So what's the, I didn't get to the, the detail on what's the release date on this. This isn't just speculatory. This is a, this is coming. So it is, it is on its way and deliveries will begin in late October. Um, customers yeah. should, so it'll go to dealers in late October. Customer deliveries will begin in November. Uh, it's been marked down to 1899 for pre-orders and that includes shipping. And I believe it also includes setup. So you wow. show up, you get on this thing. And honestly, I like the fact that it's a, an actual moped with pedals, but if you just like the scooter look and you don't really feel like pedaling yourself around, they pop right off, man. It's just like a pretty yeah. simple thing to get them off. It's, it's like there's some modular design to it, which is kind of like, well, that's fun, you know? <laughs> there is. And it's not quite the it's not quite a grape, you know, or, or a gripe that has that 60 horsepower. And, man, that thing is so cool. But, I mean, it's, it's you know, you can buy eight of these or one of those. My, f my favorite part about this particular episode is, is we've talked about, like, the preset, which is, like, it's going to be a $100,000 you know, amazing Polestar. That, that you know, the tricked-out relief that's just super cool. And all, this, all the fun tests that are getting, you know, shipped out right now that people are obviously loving. And it's just, like, we've nerded out pretty heavy on this segue just because it's cool. <laughs> I, but I think it's going to sell. I think this is oh, going to yeah. be the kind of uh, kind of commercial success that that they need right now. But you know, there's a lot of nerd stuff that's cool this week because the last thing I want to bring up, EV West and EV West in the EV world, they've been making Volkswagen Bugs, Volkswagen buses with electric motors. They came out with a really cool thing that you just know was going to be at PRI or SEMA, but because oh. those shows got canceled, they just showed it. Yeah, it's an electric motor. It's a Tesla drive unit with a, I believe it's a two-speed transmission, mm -hmm. set up longitudinally so you can drop it in anywhere a Chevy small block, like yeah. an LS or an LT1 would go, and it mounts to the stock mounts that and actually awesome. connects to the back of the GM transmission. Like, it is a drop-in motor. Now, obviously, you still have to figure out the battery situation. Yeah. You got to do all that. But honestly, that feels like the easy part. The hard part is just you just drop it in and go. There's no fabrication. There's no welding. If you've got a small block Chevy in there, you're done. Well, again, to your point, the battery question is the big one. Because if you're dropping it into something that mounts to these traditional mounts for a combustion engine, the hard part is going to be, okay, where do I put the, what powers this beast? You know, and how do you make it so that the, you know, the, where the batteries are located isn't throwing off you know, your, your weight and it's, you know, it's not going to like cause you to tip or have a problem. That will be, but again, this is where you know, people that are tuners and people that are builders they're going to get creative. Um, 
and again, you've, we've already seen it. This is just makes one big chunk of the process plug and play. I mean, it's not that simple, but my God, it takes a lot of the headache out. So I think that, I think they're going to have a blast with these things. And it's, it's a new era of hot rodding that we're kind of seeing. And we, if we can take all these old school vehicles that people have loved building, rebuilding and, and making their own for years. And now all of a sudden they're going to be electrified and it's like, okay, well, it's a new era. And, and who are going to be the people that are tuning? It's going to be cool. It's a new era, right? And I think the tuning guys, the guys that are really get the most out of this, are going to be like you said, the chassis guys that are putting the batteries in places and that really understand the technology and can figure out a way to get a battery to discharge quickly and you know this this way and that more capacitive kind of things. I think it's going to be really really neat. The other thing on this that people haven't uh, called out yet, and somebody was talking to me on this about this on LinkedIn, was every car that has an LS swap kit out there on the market can now do this so yeah. if you have a miata and there's an a mount kit for you know engine mounts for ls you put those mounts in you can now put this 550 horsepower 700 plus pound foot of torque electric motor in this thing and go now matt you know a little bit more about this than i do because you you are in that tesla world and they use the little double a battery sized battery cells they're so cute they're they're adorable. Not quite as adorable as our uh, you know faithful editor Chris tomorrow, but still pretty cute. That's a specimen right there. <laughs> oh man, the abs on that one. Uh, but Guys. could you <laughs> if you edit that out, we're done yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I, I will I will That's never talk out of you again. That's the standard. So, but you know more about these batteries than I do. Can they be arranged easily? Like, could you kind of take the fuel tank? out of a Miata, for example, and build a quasi fuel tank shaped battery bundle and plug it back in right where the fuel tank goes and kind of solve that packaging problem or uh, no? a, maybe kind of sort of, right. It's it really, number one is it depends on the cells you're starting with, right? So Tesla and how their modules work are with the smaller cells or like the little double A size stuff. Um, but it's built into modules that, that house hundreds of them. And then you can take those modules and reposition and configure them as needed so long as they're wired together correctly. But that also can potentially, depending on the battery you're using, can impact what the, what the, the cooling system for, you know, the, the liquid thermal system might have been for those cells. Um, so probably a good example, there was a guy that built a kit car out in, I think it was in, I think it was in Canada, where he basically took a Tesla drivetrain, a powertrain, but then used Chevrolet Volt batteries. And he was able to yes. connect dots on those. And so I think that, I mean, can you, you, it's like Tetris. I mean, you basically have to look at where you can just stuff stuff into these old chassis. I think you're going to see a lot of people reconfigure them. Um, just because once you remove exhaust and everything else, you have this open area that you arguably could then just cut out the, the steel, make a hole and then weld something new in that actually can hold a battery somewhere. Um, yeah, and you make a very interesting point. Like, yeah, there was there's a couple of guys that used the um, the Chevy Bolt batteries. There's a guy that did a BMW an E30 convertible. Oh, his he, is cool. Yeah, yeah, he used those. Um, he used the Chevy batteries as well with the Tesla motor. There's another guy that he had a CRX, like a classic 1980s first gen CRX HF which, uh, you know, I love those things. Those are cool cars. <laughs> he has a 550 horsepower Tesla motor in it, probably yeah. similar drive unit. He's got some batteries in it. And this is basically a drag car because he can't, those cars are tiny, dude. They are super tiny. Like you can't put enough battery in there to go anywhere, but he's not going anywhere. He's going on a quarter mile and he's doing it in about 11 yeah. seconds. 
Well, and there's, I think probably the best example, uh, rich, rich rebuilds. Uh, he's got a fun YouTube channel. He did a bunch of stuff with, with rebuilding Tesla Tesla's themselves, but also taking Tesla powertrains. He put one into an Audi a five that was just bonkers. It just blew people away. And how he configured the battery pack inside of that was he utilized some of the back seat. He utilized some of the trunk. So oh, uh, yeah. he, he, he got creative with it. And, and that one was a monster. And so the more people are able to gain access to these cells, um, yeah, and understand, and frankly, just understand battery technology and battery architecture. They're going to be able to get mo- you know more creative with how they can then take this EV West drop-in electric motor and then pair it with a battery pack, or a, you know somehow they developed out a pack or assembled a pack that will meet their needs, whether that is quarter mile things of that nature, or just even daily driving. So yeah, and I think we're going to find with the tuners similar to the way we did with internal mm-hmm. combustion cars that there's going to be the hot setup. There's going to be the yeah. fast way down the track is going to be you know, this uh, Nissan capacitor with a, you know, Chevy Volt battery behind it with a Tesla motor and the drive unit. And I don't know, let's say a Rimac controller driving right. the whole thing with a Cyvex standalone ECU doing the traction control. Somebody's going to find a hot setup like that and, um, you know, they're going to run with it. And I it's, think we're going to see nines from these uh, tuner cars very soon, probably eights from guys like Lucid that have real budgets. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a guy up here in Oregon, Oregon. Yes. I'll just say it right this time. Uh, no, but it's got a, he's got uh, an electric Datsun called the white zombie. I know the white zombie. That thing moves. That thing is unreal. And the first time I went to the, to PIR here in Oregon and saw it and saw it run, it was on an EV track day. And it was kind of my first experience with watching EVs that were super fast, but they don't make any of the noise aside from the tires on the track. Right, you know, right. But, but he rebuilt his batteries over time. He went from, I think, nickel hydride uh, and then switched over to lithium-ion, reduced the weight, had better energy density, was able to shave time uh, off his quarter mile. That's the type, and, he, and he's been doing it for years in the same way you know, others, uh, like the team at EV West have. We're going to start seeing more people that are wanting to educate themselves on this in the same way people became you know, tuners by wrenching in their garage. They're going to be looking at YouTube videos on how to build, how to build batteries. Um, yes. People like Jehu Garcia and other people that, that have been doing like home battery builds, but also building their own EVs. It's going to become more of a thing. Uh, and, and as cost comes down to more of these battery packs that are from these cars that get, you know, car gets wrecked, the pack gets recycled. You just go onto like, you know, eBay and find modules you need and you buy yeah. them in chunks. It's going to start happening that way. It, it is. But, you know, White Zombie's not in the eights, man. I, I that's, think, I think that's, eights is going to take some money. I would say it strikes me that remember the time GM built that, uh, that echo tech cobalt and took it to time attack. Uh, and You're the only one who remembers that. Well, cause I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not that old. Am I? I am that old. I don't know. I admit you were the only one who was interested in the cobalt time attack. I, well, I was, <laughs> I was, I was a Chevy guy for a long time. You um, had beautiful but, hair. I oh, You like that photo though. Don't I you? do like that photo. You look great. Yeah. Honestly, if I had hair like that, I would still have hair like that. If, if, we, if we had a video podcast, this is where immediately just a, it would be this, this epic photo of what can only be described as Fabio-esque uh, hair on my, on my dome. We'll say is it's it, on your dome. Is it? I don't know. It's, it's, not, it's not Jeff Goldblum attractive. It's, it's just not, you know. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the fly, but it was maybe, uh, maybe Thor Ragnarok. Ooh, ooh. That's not bad. That's not bad. He's That's all, a compliment. That's a compliment in there. 
That's true. I mean, the older Jeff gets, the more he's kind of jocking my style with how I kind of have my look. And I think what you mean is the older he gets, the older you get. That is true. The one thing that is guaranteed is what death taxes and Jeff Goldblum still being hot when he's older. Is that what we're getting at? I don't know. <laughs> That's, uh, I think we've made it there. I think we got a show. Uh, I do want to wrap up one last kind of motorsports related thing. Um, I don't have much information on this thing. I'd like to talk some more about it next week, but I do certainly want to comment on it. We have a new world record holder for an electric, uh, mo- electric motorcycle. And uh, it's about a six-second pass, so we'll get more into that next week and kind of dive into what made that possible. Yeah, sound good? It, it sounds good, and I'm I'm excited to talk about that one further because actually my dad had a great joke about the news of that motorcycle. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a dad joke to the episode next week. It's I can't wait plan. to I can't wait to see how many of our current subscribers ignore that episode. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I think this I think I if I was a betting man and I am a betting man there's probably dads that listen to our podcast at least two. Oh, one final comment. Have we uh we did so we're talking about gambling a little bit over under stuff like that. We have a uh, a bet going as to whether or not the Ford electric pickup will make vroom vroom V8 noises and uh, I have not heard one way or the other. But when I I asked a gentleman, I'll use his first name, Mike, over at Ford. He Mike. did not deny it. Mike at Ford. You, know, oh you, can, you can figure out who it is. It's, uh, you, you can figure out pretty you know, you're in, you're in the press world. You know who he it didn't, is. He didn't deny it. I asked, I, I straight up asked him, I was like, is it going to make truck noise, like V8 truck noises? And he said, I can't talk about features yet. Well, that, that's, that's yes. I mean. That's yes. I, by the way, did I say yes or no to this bet? I can't even remember this point. I said it was. I said it was going to, and you oh. said it was going to. So we're buying each other a steak dinner if we're both wrong. Well, I don't. Eat, I don't eat meat. I'm just a fat vegetarian. I'm buying you uh, cheese. A, it's a, a large kumquat. block of cheese. A large block of cheese. A large block of wow. Wisconsin cheddar. I hey, know. I know we have Tillamook here in Oregon. I'm aware. all right all right guys i think we got a show tune in next week when we talk about the uh, world's fastest electric motorcycle we'll uh, probably watch long way up by then all the episodes will be out on netflix so we'll definitely check that out and uh, let's see if we can't get the white zombie guy out here there's plenty to talk about there as i said that'd be cool we can do that we can try thanks much the electrify expo is coming to california in 2021 Forecasted to be the largest e-mobility festival in the USA, learn how you can attend or get involved by visiting electrifyexpo.com. Be sure to find out more information about Electrify Expo on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next week with an all-new podcast discussing the latest in the world of e-mobility. Thanks for listening to the Electrify Podcast, brought to you by the creators of Electrify Expo. Be sure to catch full video episodes on YouTube at Electrify TV and follow along on social media for daily clips and more.